Get out of my pub. Get out of my pub right now! I'm not going anywhere. Hello and welcome to Get Out of My Pod. I'm Nav. I'm Una. We're back! Whoa! It's only been seven days since our last recording. Oh my god. We're recording on a Saturday afternoon, listeners. Can you believe it? Have you ever heard anything so organised? Woo! We actually, I think we also recorded on a Saturday afternoon last week as well, right? I don't know. I can't remember. Well, we are smashing it anyway, so... <laughs> Two weeks in a row. Lucky, lucky listeners. We are the best. We are the best EastEnders podcast. Sorry, don't mean that. The others are great as well. We're clearly not, because did you see what um, Wolford Weekly made this week? I mean, it'll be something amazing, I'm sure, but go on. One of the hosts, or maybe both of the hosts, of Wolford Weekly made an EastEnders-themed version of Guess Who? That's incredible. I was like, honestly, bowled over, and I really want to play it. That's utterly incredible. Do you know, one day, I'm not suggesting it right now, because we can barely do our own, own podcast, but we should do a, uh, a mashup uh, of all the EastEnders podcasts. What, like, all get together in, in, like, one room when we're allowed, and just do, like, one massive podcast? <laughs> yeah, we should do it, yeah. It'd be absolute chaos, but, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, I just don't think... I don't think we can really ever aspire to Wolford Weekly levels of like content creation. An EastEnders themed guess who game. I that's mean, incredible. that's incredible. Yeah, just to be clear, when I talked about this mashup, Wolford Weekly would have to organise it. Like, <laughs> I'm just suggesting it. It's the only way it would happen. Right, exactly. So we're waiting, guys, for the invitation. Yeah. Yeah. Once we've got our vaccines, then. Hopefully you can uh, sort that out for us. We will do it. Right, shall we get on to some exciting EastEnders news? Oh yeah, because you don't know about this that happened this week, do you? No, you mentioned something about Patsy Palmer and I was like, what are you talking about, Una? So Patsy Palmer this week went on this morning um, to, oh wait, is it this morning or Good Morning Britain? Are those the same thing? This morning is with Philip Schofield and Good Morning Britain was with Piers Morgan before he had a a tantrum. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, she went on, or I've just texted Good Morning Britain. Okay. She went on Good Morning Britain, who aren't having a good time at the moment. Yeah. Lol. <laughs> um, and she was going to talk about her wellness business. Okay. Which we've got other thoughts on that we don't have to talk about. Today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, they put, you know, they put that like tagline underneath. And the tagline they decided to put was Addict to Wellness Guru. <laughs> what the fuck right that's so problematic right and she saw that and she went do you know what that's not okay and she said just sort of like on tv that's not okay i'm not doing this interview and just like stop the interview yeah and good just, for like, her shut it off because obviously it was online she was like on a laptop or something yeah that's what i thought good for you patsy absolutely like to for it to be framed like that i mean look as but if part of the interview she said something that she needed to be called out upon absolutely go for it and as an aside get the vaccine everybody but like (laughs) the fact that like you know it was opened with this tagline it's like who just who decided that was okay like also that it would have gone through however many rounds of like sign off but yeah terrible i think with piers morgan leaving they're like desperate to keep like that kind of viewership that wants the drama so they were like we need to we need to like you know bamboozle ambush to keep everyone hooked in right exactly it yeah. is shameful behavior well done bianca solidarity yeah Absolutely. go on bianca go on go on 
Um, Do you want to tell us about uh, baby announcements this week? Baby news, baby news, baby news. I haven't done the jingle yet because, well, there's <laughs> many reasons, but um, it is now just a regular segment, although it probably we will run out of news at, at some point, um, except this week we got the news that Louisa Litton is pregnant. Congratulations, Louisa. Well, but also, like, I mean, I don't know how recently she's pregnant, but, like, has she been filming that? fucked up miscarriage storyline while actually pregnant there's a decent i think there's a decent likelihood she will have known she was pregnant for some of that storyline at least yeah i just that cannot have been fun for her that whole storyline no not at all like that is i mean you know maybe being fair to like these lenders writers and producers like uh they might not have known she might not have told them she might not have known by that point Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say it was insensitive of them, but we have already discussed that storyline not being particularly sensitive anyway. Yeah. It's just like an extra layer, isn't it? Right. Of of why that storyline is terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. The one thing I will say is that I have heard that EastEnders uh, are going to explore and I'm not going to be able to say the condition correctly, but is it endo endometri- endometriitis? Right. Okay. So they are going to explore that um, as being part of the reason why Ruby had a miscarriage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they need to do something to redeem her character first, but fine. Yeah. yeah well, sounds like a bit of a mess to me. Do you know what? Actually, this is a reminder, and we'll discuss it in the episode. But I have now. Seeing what we've seen of Suki this week, there's a small bit of hope for me that they could turn Ruby back around and I could be fine with it. So, But let's discuss in the... Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed indeed. Just to say though, can you imagine how how beautiful that baby's going to be? Oh my God, yeah. Have people... Like um, the yeah. fittest couple on the planet. Yeah, if people haven't seen Louisa Lister's partner in real life, I mean, that is a hot couple. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous, yeah. Just absurd. Although the one thing I will say is that hot couples don't necessarily always make hot babies. <laughs> it's true. No? Yeah, yeah. I guess it it is true. I haven't noticed like a specific trend, but um, yeah. Let's see. Let's see whether their baby is hot. <laughs> yeah, and hotness is very subjective. Like you know, uh, we're talking like hotness from that kind of you know, like magazine perspective but yeah you know that's uh that's them but i tell you what i say it's because sometimes you look at people who are really hot i'm thinking of it from the op- opposite side of things where like you see people who are really hot and then they like bring their parents to like an award show or something like that and you're like <laughs> you're you're you know lovely looking people but you know you're not on that same objective level of hotness <laughs> right yeah yeah right <laughs> I really want to ask for like an example, ugly baby of a, of a hot couple, but I just don't think we should <laughs> go down that route. <laughs> no, people know what I mean. And as I say, look, you know, I'm not hitting those objective standards of hotness. So this is no shade on, on anyone. But um, <laughs> yeah, well, I hope their baby. Oh, this is really gross. I was going to say, I hope their baby's hot. That's horrible. I hope their wow. baby's cute and adorable. That's what I hope. Cute and, cute and adorable. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, should we move on? Yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's move on. Um, Nav, what was your prediction last week? 
Well, mine was absolute crap, just like some of the opinions that I just espoused there. So um, <laughs> it was uh, that Keegan would get the wrong end of the stick whilst Tiffany was doing her hosting and end up in a kerfuffle that was uh, that would be egged on by um, by Dotty. Yeah, it didn't happen. No. Do you think it could still happen? Uh, I think it could still happen, but actually, I kind of hope it hope it doesn't happen because it's quite boring. <laughs> I would like them to move that story to like a more interesting route. Right, exactly. And actually, we've kind of discussed how Keegan is a little being a little bit old-fashioned. And actually, to be honest, I kind of feel like lean into that. If you're going to if you're going to hint at that, then actually that could be quite an interesting storyline to, you know, think about masculinity through their characters because we see it through like people like Grey, um yeah. but then it gets a bit cartoonish and villainish. Whilst, like, you know, looking at it through somebody who is generally a good person, um, I think could be much more interesting. I'd like to see some, like, conversations between Keegan and Mitch about that. Right. Yeah, that definitely. That could be really good. Yeah, yeah, and, like, Mitch sharing, like, what he's learned uh, as well. So, absolutely. Well, the good news is, as much as my prediction wasn't great, <laughs> I can now ask you about your prediction, Una. <laughs> So my prediction was uh, that Stacey's going to go to prison and then you wouldn't let me have that prediction. You were like predictions cop last week and made me put a date on it. So um, so we're going to have to check this prediction in May. I said Stacey's going to go to prison in early May. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's not so much that I wasn't going to let you have it. Like I am not the arbiter of predictions <laughs> but like i feel like you were corrupting the the feature yeah i, I just couldn't be asked last yeah. week. i wasn't happy with these tenders last week let's both commit to a having decent predictions and b within a reasonable amount of time i've pre-planned my prediction this oh week my god you're already going to embarrass me i know it i'm so prepared right okay well i'll have the rest of the podcast to think about it so shall we get into it let's get into it um, I think we should start with the most dramatic storyline this week. Bronson. Chelsea and Lucas. Oh, okay, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, Bronson's a good actor. Be, Bronson is a real cutie, but yeah, let's start with, with Chelsea and, and Lucas. And uh, yeah, I really loved it this week. Me too. I feel like they brought that storyline back from a not necessarily massively convincing place. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, you know, it, it was wrapped up. Like, I think sometimes with these storylines, when, you know, they, they have like a kind of beginning, middle and end, and then, you know, maybe people are enjoying it. So they decide to extend it by three months, by six months. Like, it's clear that this was probably the conclusion they had in mind from the beginning. And I think they did it really well. Yeah, it was really nice and tidy, I thought, and satisfying right. to watch. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, look, we could get really deep into it and go like, is it problematic that Lucas has had this redemption and all this kind of stuff? But A, I don't think it is problematic because I think it's perfectly feasible that he's trying to be a better person. Um, yeah. And the, there, was, there was one thing in the little monologue he did when he was um, sitting over from Chelsea at the, the prison visitor's table. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about why he got, you know, he tricked Chelsea and got Chelsea to go through the airport security. Yeah. And he said something about 
oh, a, a, a genuine criminal would like, have <laughs> no feeling and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, what is all this genuine criminal shit? Yeah, that was obviously problematic. But also, like, it's a thing, it's a thing that, like, our society talks about a lot. Like, it's a common problematic thing to say. So right. maybe not that surprising. No, exactly. And like, and you sometimes see these, like, Channel 4 documentaries about getting into the psyche of a criminal and all this kind of yeah. shit. And it's like, all yeah. right, guys, are we, are we getting to the point where we're going to start measuring people's foreheads and shit? Like, what, uh, yeah. <laughs> what is going it, on? It was quite funny to hear him be like, like, genuine criminals don't, like, have problems or feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, right, okay. Um, are you not a serial killer with feelings right right i'm a bit gutted that chelsea is not going to join the many eastenders who've gone to birmingham um but um <laughs> i think this means she's sticking around right yeah i think so and i think that, like this week was really good for us getting a little bit more like backstory on, on chelsea and a little bit more like i don't know just relating to her a little bit more we saw some more vulnerability yeah, exactly. And I think, and as I say, like, we'll come on to Suki, like, a bit later on. Like, I like the fact that, yeah, they've kind of put Chelsea in a place where, yeah, she can build up, like, some, you know, connections onto the square. Like, she can be a yeah. rounded character. She's not being defined by, you know, this storyline that she was, like, introduced back into the square on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm looking forward to her being in that house. Like, that house is just getting better and better. Well, talking of which, we got the uh, the engagement. Oh my god, the proposal! Yeah, um, I didn't see that coming. Um, I I guess I didn't see it coming, like in as much as like it was going to happen this week. But I think everybody realizes, and maybe it's even surprised like some of the writers in EastEnders that it just really works. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why, but it does. Brilliant chemistry, like um. I think we've spoken about it in before. It's like I think it's a sense of like two characters who like have had life experience. It probably def almost certainly would not have worked any earlier, like uh, you know, when they were younger. Um, but mm. yeah, like it definitely it definitely works now. And it's a good place for Jack to go, because again, he's one of those people who like obviously after Ronnie and Roxy died, was a little bit stranded and he's kind of been hanging out on the square not really knowing what to do with himself for quite a while. Right. Um, and like Max coming back kind of helped him kind of have more of a role. But I think it would have been a bit difficult to know where to place him if they hadn't built up this relationship in such a convincing way. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge reprieve for the actor and the character to be attached to probably like the family that is smashing it the most on the square right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's locked out there. <laughs> when do you think the wedding's going to happen? I mean, I hope it's when they can do like a decent sized wedding. Like, um, I don't want obviously like a silly like white dress church thing, but imagine the party that Kim would organise. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, we're gonna get some real good Kim moments Woo! from that. Yeah, it's gonna be huge. I just like them to do it when when they can touch each other again. That would be quite nice. I don't want them to have to like not be able to be closer than two meters away from each other the whole way through their wedding. Yeah, it's it's a bit jarring at this point. Like, um, yeah, some of the moments when you're like, I definitely think an arm would be going around somebody or a hug would be happening <laughs> yeah. right now. But yeah, definitely. But hey, it's jarring for all of us in real life as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing that I'm kind of most excited about is I think EastEnders have done. You know, we've had our complaints over the last few weeks and stuff, but I think EastEnders have generally done a good job managing the restrictions. But one thing 
And I think, and I don't know if you saw the video that EastEnders released about how they're doing their COVID filming, but like yeah, there are moments when like they're acting to nobody. Um, and I just, I'm really hopeful there's going to be huge uptick in the quality of the acting when they've got actually somebody to respond to. Yeah, that does make sense because it must be really hard. And I think they've done really well as well. Like I actually didn't, I think I maybe had a sense that some of the acting wasn't like as good as it has been, but I right. hadn't realized that they were doing that thing of like individually, like filming each person as seed and then like putting it all together. And right. that's really impressive, I think. Yeah, really incredible. Really incredible. I mean, if you think about it right from the beginning like of the first lockdown and they'd got, you know, they dubbed in Kathy's voice into a scene and it was a disaster. <laughs> so like where it is now, it's like a huge improvement. They've come a long way. Yeah. Well done. Well, should we, uh, should we talk? What should we talk about next? I think we need to talk about Sharon. Yay! I don't know if they listen to our podcast or we just predict things that are probably going to end up happening, but we kind of said it'd be good for Sharon to have something a bit different going on in her life. If we totally did, and I loved this week. Yeah, I absolutely. So, like, Sharon's got this new brother, Zach, and yeah, I love him. I like, yeah, he's amazing. The funeral was amazing. Yeah. I loved every scene with Sharon and Kathy this week. And my favorite thing that happened this week was Sharon dumping the ashes in the bin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She <laughs> I was just thought that was so good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like the two of them, like, yeah, just kind of doing their own thing. Like, yeah, the whole. And you know what? The other thing I liked about it as well is that. It's tricky with EastEnders in terms of like reflecting like the East End of London. And in a lot of ways, it's like failing miserably given like the kind of ethnic makeup of the square. But like even just doing that traditional kind of like East End thing, like it sometimes doesn't do that so well either. So like this felt like a proper East End funeral. He feels like Zach feels like a proper East End geezer. Like, um, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, well done. I should, yeah. I thought it was so well done. And actually, like the, I really enjoy like building up like probably not really a friendship but some some sort of nice moments with Kathy and Sharon. I thought like all of that was done really well and I thought it was really smart as well to kind of do that through through the situation of Gavin dying. Yeah, exactly because it in a lot of respects Gavin is almost a disposable character, right? Like um you know, he he hasn't got a long history on the square. Like we only got one kind of period with him in in EastEnders, um, so you, you know, using his death to do something fun with Kathy and Sharon, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, it was really smart, and to like bring them together, you know, because of like this man who screwed them both over. I thought, yeah, it was just such a great move. Um, can't wait to see more of Zach. What do you What do you think Zach's kind of a character is going to be? Um. I don't know. Like, I think he's going to be troublesome in a way that is like energizing for Sharon. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, and I and I think it it will contrast to someone like Ben, who does have that slight kind of geezer element, but then it goes into like extreme, like you know, criminality and gangster and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. While having someone who you know is clearly good looking, clearly a bit cheeky. Um, probably will, you know, do a few kind of misdemeanors here and there. But, you know, I know it sounds silly, but that kind of like lovable rogue type character, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, I love a lovable rogue, like totally up for having a new one on the square. Yeah, basically like uh, Danny Dyer, but good looking. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you mean, but good looking? <laughs> Defining feature of Danny Dyer. It is. He, he will kind of be like a young Danny Dyer, no? Yeah, maybe they'll be friends. Well, Sharon's moving into Mick and Linda's flat, right? Which is hilarious because I don't know why she needed to go to a letting agent to find that out. Um, yeah, that's so funny. You know what? She, the scene, the scene where she finds it out. I think this is what bothered me. She's like, um, "Oh, um, Mick and Linda's flat has come, just come back onto the market." It's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're moving into the pub you saw them. <laughs> oh, I love it. Did they buy that? So did they buy that flat, and she's going to buy it. As well, I don't know why. I kind of thought they were renting. But. Well, it might be, it might be let. It might just she might have just gone to a letting agent, and it might, yeah, you know, they might have been, they might have given their notice on the flat. But, but either way, she knew they were moving out of the flat. <laughs> she did. She did know that. Yeah, right. no need for an estate yeah. agent to help her do that. Do you think <laughs> yeah. Zach's going to move into the flat with her? I'd love it. Yeah, I think it would be brilliant to see Sharon. Yeah, kind of having this new flatmate, like basically. Yeah, I that. Yeah, for me, that's the perfect direction for Sharon, for Sharon. It kind of like fulfills all of our our Sharon desires that we've been talking about. Well done, EastEnders. You're absolutely smashing it this week. And I guess we should obviously yes. just mention a little bit about uh, Kim and Foxcatcher and the party. <sighs> Love Kim and Sharon as well. It was so nice to just see Sharon like lighten up a little bit in the same way that like we got that with Phil as well last week. It was just like so enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and I hope they learn how to like accommodate this as part of people's characters on an ongoing basis, as opposed to like going from you have to be depressed and want to kill Ian. And now you've got to have a joke with Kim. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? It's just a bit yeah. silly. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Kim was wonderful this week. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's kind of good. She's maybe acknowledged that like Foxcatcher has come to the end of the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess it it wasn't really realistic with like the clientele on the square. Right when when you when like your business is relying on a show that maybe has five new people every year, um, yeah, it's a bit difficult for yeah. you to start matchmaking people. But what do you think they're going to do with Kim? Because since she came back, she's been floating around a little bit. Like she wanted to work in the salon, that didn't work out, and she's kind of hasn't really like found her thing that she's going to do so what do you think do you think they're going to be able to stabilize her i it's a good point and it's not something that had occurred to me but yeah i think they probably do need to anchor it to something what i would love is for and and obviously this is kind of what they've explored with foxcatcher but is for her to have some kind of uh business endeavor or employment endeavor like on the screen like in a lot of respects she's probably a much better fit to own the prince albert than kathy yeah yeah, I'd probably agree with that. And she, maybe that's not out of the question that like, maybe she wouldn't own it, but that she could still run that place. God, or, or imagine if she was like 50-50 partners with Kathy. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, I mean, it, that's Kim kind of like breathes life into everyone like she becomes friends with. So we, all those scenes with Sharon this week were just like brilliant. And they kind of like send her around the square to do that a little right. bit, to like sprinkle some fairy dust on characters and stories. And and then you take that and imagine putting that behind a bar and like being that kind of traditional type person to, you know, someone leans over the bar and she's like, oh, what's up? Uh, what's happening with you? And, you know, she uh, she gives out her advice. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, one thing I would say is it'd be like good to not have a straight person running the Albert, but like 
there's not many options at the moment, are there? Well, I mean, all the straight people hang out at the Prince Albert anyway. Like, it's just like, I mean, I remember this <laughs> yeah. scene of like Mitch and Billy getting into a fight that started at the the Prince Albert. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. Like, also, all the LGBT people on the sky are really boring, apart from Bernie. Yeah, and they hide Bernie all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, what? I was thinking we save it until the end, but as we've spoken about Bernie, um, I do want to give some due time to to paying respects to to dear long departed Bronson. Oh, Bronson! I've never seen a dog look like so sad and ill. I know. I don't even remember seeing Bronson before the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't think you've ever seen Bronson on screen? I feel like they just made him up. <laughs> I've definitely seen Bronson on screen. Never noticed, like, what a good little dog actor he is, though, until this week. Oh, my God. That dog. I mean, sorry to the new dog. The new dog is nice, and, you know, all dogs are good boys and all that kind of stuff. But um, they should have done the storyline the other way around. Like, I'd rather have Bronson around than this mangy new dog. Yeah, but the storyline was Bronson dying. How would they do that the other way around? No, I know, but like, I still don't <laughs> think Bronson existed before the last couple of weeks. So, <laughs> you mean it's like Bronson like didn't get his G's as a character? Do you know what I mean? They just killed him off too early, right? If you think about like how much screen time Wellard got, um, that's true. And the the square needs a dog, and now you've lumped Taylors with a, a a stolen dog that they're going to have to give back at some point. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had like a a real like dog character. When you say dog character, you mean a dog? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I... <laughs> no, but there have been dogs, yeah. but I mean like a dog that's really got some character. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, we had Wellard, obviously, as like the archetypal true. like doggy senders character. Yeah, and then Lady Die has been like pretty iconic. Oh, that's true. That is true. Yeah, I forgot about Lady Die. I guess where is Lady Die? I guess she just lives in this like first floor flat now, probably having a shit time. I know, you can't keep a dog in a flat. But yeah, where is Lady Di? Because like she's not a COVID risk. She's <laughs> Why not. Why have they got rid of her? Yeah, I, 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 well, I, I don't know. Maybe they were being super strict because I think with a lot of shows, like you're not allowed to touch things that other people have touched. Um, oh, okay. And so I guess she's a risk in that regard, right? But, um, you know, you don't want to make give lady die a complex <laughs> yeah i know what she's probably been out of work for what a year now right and sad. she's thinking like why yeah. does everybody think i've got covid Terrible. bring back lady die god yeah well yeah there we go we but anyway what, what did you make of the dog the dog storyline i enjoyed it uh was a little bit surprised when they brought it up i enjoyed it there was obviously slightly weird like uh insinuations about there being parallels with Chantel. Um, because there was all this kind of stuff about, you know, you can't replace like somebody once they've left. And obviously it was kind of meant yeah. to be a hint at like Chantel's dead. You can't replace her with a dog. Um but uh yeah, and and obviously Bailey's mom as well and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah. Right. I just felt like it didn't quite hang together. I was like, I feel like there's a point that's trying to be made here, but I don't really get what it is. I don't fully understand why this storyline is happening and they get away with that for the fact that uh, just dog if maybe look i know some people don't like dogs um but if if you're a good person then you you'd enjoy that storyline right because like it's got dogs in it <laughs> yeah yeah true i did enjoy the storyline i quite enjoyed mitch and stewart going out to get the other dog as well yeah that was a lot of fun so 
That was cute. And then now they've got to get rid of the dog. <laughs> this is the only thing about this storyline where it's a bit like, I feel like it could have moved into a different phase. Like, I wouldn't mind it if the storyline was, you know, Bronson sadly passes away. They get this new dog and then this new dog becomes like the heart of the family. I feel yeah. like this drama has maybe been extended a little bit too long now. Yeah, because now there's like they're gonna have to give the dog back. Bailey's gonna be sad about that. I just don't understand like what's the because normally when there's a stupid storyline like this, there's like it's driving some other bigger thing, like it's to make a bigger point or it's to like enable two characters to like develop together and in, in a way. And I don't know what that is at the moment. Well, I think for the tailors, the idea of it is to be like you know, this new uh, member of the family, like not to replace Bailey's mom and Chantel and stuff, but like to bring a family that, you know, experienced loss like together. So I kind of got why they tried to do it. As you say, the execution made it a little bit weird and confusing. Um, And yeah, like them then losing this new dog, I don't think really fits into that. Yeah. Also, I guess a bit of me was like, where's Keegan in this? Because Keegan like, loved Bronson. In my mind, Keegan and Bronson were like best friends. I hadn't really seen Bailey and Bronson. Well, Ke- Keegan is focusing on his duties as a husband. <laughs> he's busy protecting his wife. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Somebody's got to uphold the patriarchy and he's taken on that role. Yeah, okay. Good point. Yeah. yeah. I thought the... um. There's a couple little moments between like Bernie and Bailey that were very sweet, and I'd quite like to see more of those. Yeah, definitely. Like Bernie as an older sister is like, yeah, man. If I was Bailey's age, like having an older sister like Bernie would be everything. Yeah, such a dream. (sighs) She she's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I guess also what's going to happen next week is they because Bailey kind of said that she didn't win this science thing, but it seems like we're going to find out that she did win it. Right. Right. So exactly. that'll be the next thing. It'll be like Mitch trying to get the money together to send her to science camp. I'm wondering if that'll be the consolation to losing the dog. Because obviously Karen was worried about having the dog um, because of, you know, money issues. Yeah. Um, so, you know, them not having the dog maybe frees up some money, um, which means that... Bailey... Maybe they'll get a reward for returning the lost dog. Oh, shit. And then that'll send uh, Bailey to science camp. Yeah. Well, there we go. We've written the storyline. <laughs> that's what I do if I was a writer that was a, that's a neat way to move on from the, the dog storyline yes because there, there's just something so much more important to talk about and that's the Panasas oh my days I what a week what oh okay oh my god oh my god like so much to say <laughs> um, let's just get through the probably the aspects of it that interests us the least and that's like peter and nash's relationship yeah boring terrible hate it want it over that's all i have to say about it yeah (laughs) do you know what i will say this week is probably the week that i've hated it the least okay yeah fair enough it's been like i guess they've been sort of hanging out for long enough that it's slightly believable that they're interested in each other now yeah and and i think particularly peter like he um you know, he was part of that onslaught on Suki. So, like, along with Ash, which, which obviously we need to discuss. But, like, yeah. he was, like, maybe the starting point when he confronted Suki in the square, basically saying, you don't care about your kids. You're only in it, in it for yourself. Um, and, you know, that triggered her to go and speak to, to Ash's yeah. boss. Yeah, very harsh of him, I thought. 
Very mean. An absolute, but he's a prick, yeah. though. He's a prick. Uncalled for. Yeah, he's a prick. And also, just as an aside, it was interesting to hear, like, Kathy have a go at him for, like, not returning Lauren's calls and not really being around for his son. And then Peter sort of in the pub being like, oh, I speak to my son once a week. Well done. Yeah, and also, unless you've got an arrangement, like... Do you know what I mean? Like once a week speaking to your son as opposed to I speak to my son whenever I can or whenever he needs me. Like, right, yeah. Because well, how old is Louis? Probably like five or something. Right. I mean, like, I don't think they've had like an acrimonious separation like him and Lauren. Um, so I doubt they've got like a specific arrangement. I guess the only small thing that I can give him some allowance for is the time difference. Um, but um, it was <laughs> yeah. his choice to come back to the UK. It's just, just just further evidence that he's trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Let's see if we needed any. Okay, so what do we think to Ash getting a job back? Uh, I love that Suki went and threatened like <laughs> the manager of whatever that department, whatever it was. Like, love it. I feel like is it realistic that like maybe this <laughs> happens? I don't know. Just, I was a bit like I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to predict project too much virtue like onto anybody who works in the nhs even though i absolutely like you know love the nhs and the rest of it but you know a part of you feels like oh, surely somebody in that kind of position wouldn't be like corruptible and or not even corruptible but well i guess anybody is like you know can be threatened right i feel like if i was the person in the hospital and suki came in to threaten me i'd be like you're nuts yeah <laughs> like right obviously this is, this is not gonna happen this right like this person's just like probably not okay. Yeah, if 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 you feel like a doctor is a danger to patients, then it shouldn't be that easy to like put right, that aside, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but none of this bothers me though. No, no. I was like a bit of me was like, this feels really unrealistic. And yeah. I was like, I don't care. I don't care at all. Okay, you know what? Let's let's get to it because this is the thing that I am most excited about in terms of Suki's evolution. But we got uh, Ash's like rant at Suki in in the pub. Like, what, what did you make yeah. of that? Um, just like I felt so sad for Suki. Oh my god! Sorry. Like it was really interesting to have the sympathy with her, and then we saw Suki cry. My oh god. my god! Oh my god. Oh my and they built it up quite nicely as well because we had that scene earlier in the week where Suki actually kind of like Ash was basically like, What is your problem with me? And Suki was just like, I'm really proud of you and I don't want you to fuck this up. Right. Exactly. And for ages we've spoken about wanting to find these other dimensions to Suki's character. Yeah. Otherwise, like, you know, her long term future just isn't really guaranteed on the square. And yeah. Like, as you say, that moment with her kind of speaking about her pride in Ash, but then this kind of her, you know, trying to keep it together and being upset. And also another kind of, you know, you know, more props to Balvinda Sopal as well, because she just played it so well. Oh, my God. Just so well. Like, I feel so I feel like I really know Suki after this week, like this whole thing of her kind of like like being really harsh on her daughter and having these really complicated emotions of like wanting her to succeed. Like obviously she's put so much energy into like making Ash this really high achieving woman and kind of like probably getting her 
like yeah getting her from quite a working class background to being like a doctor that's the assumption that like that's the implication I think of that right conversation but then also having this aspect of like feeling really resentful of her which I think is like a dynamic that lots of mothers and daughters can relate to where like those are generational differences particularly between women where like older women have been denied so many opportunities and have had had have had to make so many sacrifices that like it can be a tense dynamic when all those sacrifices pay off and the person benefiting from them is the daughter but not the mother yeah a hundred percent definitely agree with that and and i think then that's kind of exacerbated when it's a kind of uh kind of you know second generation third generation migrant thing as well um where you know you know even in the context of being in that kind of patriarchal situation and as you say like women of that generation being yeah particularly held back by that and then you add to the fact that you know who you know you hear so many stories about you know people who were doctors and you know engineers and stuff like coming in the uk and like not being able to get any kind of foot in the door um but obviously working their butts off to make sure their kids can kind of like have that opportunity and you know i don't think that excuses suki's behavior so i feel like you know i'm not going to lay into ash for being you know quite mean particularly what she said about suki working at the minute mark um, I would never, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I could never say that to like mm. my parents. So it felt like particularly mean, but at the same time, like, you know, Suki has like, you know, maybe for reasons that she thinks are like part of this, like, you know, thing of like trying to give her children the best opportunity. She probably has sacrificed like, um, having, you know, that kind of relationship with her kids where her kids love her because at the moment i think her kids maybe respect her and maybe fearful of her but love doesn't seem to factor into it an awful lot yeah and you can see we can see now that that affects her and yeah i mean obviously like we've been suki stands from the beginning right but i think this week just took it like so much deeper and i'm so invested in that whole family now it's brilliant. I, I, I can't think of another. I mean, I guess you can talk about the Taylors, but for me, the Taylors were a bit of a slow burn. Um, yeah. I can't think of another family that has been uh, introduced as well as this on EastEnders until... Uh, like so compelling. Yeah. But possibly it's not... I'd have to go back to the Slaters to think about... Uh, well, okay, maybe the Carters actually as the well. The Carters, right. yeah. I'd yeah. say they're the last one yeah. that like, have, have pulled this off in the same way. I think also for me, like Ash became more interesting to me like I've never it's really this week that I feel again like I've sort of got to know her and like some of her complexities as a character and also that like there are I don't like her that much that like actually I think there were like some things that came through some sides of her where like she's a bit nasty where she flies off the rails like she makes bad decisions like being with Peter and like I really had some real empathy for Suki in like dealing with these parts of Ash yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, her acting as well, like both of their actings, this uh, actings, both of their, I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but they were both very good at acting this week. Well done. Yeah. On, yeah. I mean, you know, EastEnders don't, and, and all soaps don't tend to feature in like, you know, BAFTAs and all that kind of stuff. And, and mostly I don't give a shit, to be honest, because that's all like highbrow establishment bullshit. Um, but, you know, you kind of look at like those moments and you kind of figure, uh, you know, I hope, you know, whether she stays in EastEnders, which obviously I want, or she kind of moves into other stuff, I hope she's recognized. Like, I'm talking about Suki, that is, is recognized, like, yeah. Balvin de Sopal is recognized for, like, 
just this performance that keeps on getting better and better. Yeah, it's it's so good. I'm absolutely loving it. Also, I would say loved Kira kind of being on the edge of it all as well. And like that he, I thought he played that really well. Or like his character's response to things were really well, was really good because he kind of wasn't really surprised by any of it. He was just sort of sitting on the edges, resigned to all of this happening and kind of like, it's, it feels like he knows that dynamic between the two of them really well already. Yeah, exactly. And you can't quite figure out is because, is whether it's because he feels separate from it, although I kind of don't think that's the case because he also has a, uh, a complex relationship with Suki. Um, yeah. In a lot of respects, I just don't feel like he is as uh, emotionally uh, mature as Ash in a lot of respects. So his way of dealing with that relationship with, with Suki isn't so much like having these kind of like, you know, fights with Suki. It's him trying to establish himself as this kind of top, like, you know, gangster. Yeah. Which again, I think is like quite a convincing place for like the oldest boy to be. Absolutely. Yeah. It's sort of Absolutely. like not really like emotionally in touch enough to be able to kind of challenge any of it or or navigate any of it like he's just gonna exist in that situation and kind of like boost his own pride and like feelings about his status as much as he possibly can within that yeah i mean you know don't want to get into it but you know see see william and harry if you want a real life example (laughs) (laughs) it's true though no right Fully agree. That's the perfect analogy. And I I think we can move on from that story. There's nothing that you could say about that. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, <laughs> I think we pretty much are almost done now. It's just, uh, we got a little bit about uh, Ben and Callum, right? Yeah, a little bit. That kind of was like a bit of a spin-off from the Sharon, um, Sharon's dad dying storyline. Um, Callum kind of negotiating his relationship with his dad a little bit. Yeah, which, as you say, was mostly to move the Sharon storyline forward. But then, obviously, we did get a scene between Ben and Callum. Um, I'll be honest with you, mainly because I wasn't that interested, but I can't remember what the conclusion was. Is Callum's dad coming to the wedding? He took him off. Took him off. off the list. He said, said, if my dad reaches out to me, then, like, maybe we'll think about it. But for now, he's off the list. So I don't know if that's, like, foreshadowing that the the, the dad is going to come back into the picture. Because what we've seen that, like, a couple of times already, right? Yeah, and you know, I, I could definitely see it happen. Like you can see it happening. Like you can imagine a man of the kind of person that Callum's dad is. Like would have yeah. such a sense of entitlement that he would come to the wedding regardless of an invitation. Yeah. Um. So you could definitely see it happening. The only thing, though, and you know, I don't know. Like I know people feel differently when it comes to like you know parental relationships and 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 what have you. But for Callum like that scene of him saying oh despite everything he's my dad I don't really get it like I get it from the perspective like of uh, a sense of duty so like if he felt like he is getting pressure from another family member to invite his dad or you know if he's you know he feels a caring responsibility because his dad is getting older I can kind of get why he might want his dad around but his dad, even, you know, he himself acknowledged is an ir- irredeemable piece of shit who's always been a piece of shit. <laughs> so in what, for what reason would he want him to be at this, like, particularly kind of, you know, in this, in this kind of loving situation? Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, I would much rather see 
someone on the square but like maybe particularly Callum just be like "Mm, yeah he's a piece of shit and I am not responsible for this person anymore and I'm just gonna live my new life and not have a relationship with my dad anymore because that's a healthy thing to do yeah, like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Look, there's a part of me that says that. Say his dad got very ill and his dad had no one else. Purely from like, you know, a human empathy uh, example and knowing that you might have some more reason to like help in that situation than, than someone else, then I could see I could see that scenario of Callum going, well, he's my dad. He's got no one else. Fine. I can understand that. Cannot understand why you'd include him in a moment where, you know, a day of happiness like this. <laughs> true where also he's like liable to fuck it up guaranteed to fuck it up i'd say <laughs> like yeah i mean maybe we'll get to see some more like phil uh phil versus homophobia moments Way! <laughs> phil said gay rights <laughs> yeah i wouldn't wouldn't mind that yeah um shall we get on to our eastenders of the week okay now who is your EastEnder of the week? It is Bronson. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he really deserves it. Oh, dear old departed Bronson that I hadn't even heard of until about a week and a half ago. <laughs> Literally noticed for the first time this week. It's it, just a lovely dog. As you say, very good at acting and uh, he will be missed and forever in our hearts. Hey, well, hopefully his career continues. Absolutely. Hopefully the actual dog is not dead. That would be, <laughs> hopefully. That would be sad. On which note, Una, who is your EastEnder of the week? I'm surprised that we didn't have the same EastEnder of the week this week because my EastEnder of the week is Sharon. Well, to be fair, I'm also surprised because your EastEnder of the week should definitely be Bronson. But tell me why, <laughs> why you've chosen Sharon. I don't know if I even need to explain. She was just iconic this week like particularly mainly the funeral like her just standing in that room like rolling her eyes at everything like loudly slagging off gavin and then like the look in her eye when zach did that speech was just perfect and then obviously like stealing the ashes and like throwing them into a bin (laughs) just loved it she's in a great place right now and the other thing i'm loving is that they've not made like her leaving the pub into like this huge like trauma um yeah you know she's upset about it i mean she's only been there a year so arguably arguably she shouldn't even be this upset but um yeah. fine she can be upset she grew up there on the all the rest of it um but i'm glad she's kind of seeing it as an opportunity to kind of you know start afresh totally and she's not like really heartbroken over phil either no like she's kind of realized mm, that was already over and she seems to be like moving on with her life. She's chill, and I love chill Sharon. Yeah, yeah. I hope that we get some more fun Sharon storylines. Can't wait for Sharon and Zach. Wait, right, okay. I think it's time for you to embarrass me with your pre-prepared prediction. My <laughs> pre-prepared prediction. Um, well, I feel like I've actually made a better prediction than this now, which was about Bailey having the money to go to science camp with them giving that dog back. So just want to note that it did make that prediction. <laughs> fine. Fine. Two predictions. Okay, fine. Thank you. My next prediction, I think, is like a bit more of a wild card. Don't really know if it's going to happen, but yeah. I'm going to say it anyway. I think Ash might move in with the Beals. What? Yeah. I mean, they've got the room. They've got the room. Like, obviously, Suki and Ash have had this big explosive 
argument. There's still the kind of like Peter Suki thing underlying everything. And like if Ash and Peter get a bit more serious, that's going to be more of an issue. So, and it also might allow like Bobby to kind of just have a bit more of a presence if we have to go back to that house quite a lot to see like Ash and Peter hanging out. Yeah, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm, yeah, I think it would be quite interesting to be honest. Like, um, yeah, I don't know what it means for Peter if we see more of him or not, but. <laughs> if we could somehow do that storyline without Peter, that would be great. Oof, yeah, bring back the old Peter. That's uh, that's the shout out from Get Out of My Pod. Yeah, please. Um, have you got a prediction, Nav? Well, I've literally just come up with it. So, and I'm kind of into my own prediction right now, even though okay. it's definitely not going to happen. But obviously, one of the last scenes we got of Bobby was him assuming this new character. Um, what was the name that he gave himself? Oh, I don't know. Well, it was very fun. Remember. And he had these, what, not a, well, not, was it aviator sunglasses? or uh, Yeah, like aviators, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had his aviators. I feel like he's going to, and maybe semi-successfully, he's going to try it on with Chelsea. No. <laughs> oh my God, Nav. That's insane, and I love it. <laughs> right, because I could just imagine, like, for half a day, him successfully assuming this persona um, that is quite attractive, that he's a businessman, that he's a bit of a maverick, and all this kind of thing. Um, but what's and, the age difference there? Well, that is, that is, I don't think it's, look, I, I'm generally not bothered about age difference relationships. I, I kind of, you've got to judge things on the, you know, like, yeah. right, do you know what I mean? But, uh, Bobby's very young. <laughs> <laughs> he is quite young. But I yeah. don't think it would be inherently exploitative because in a lot of respects, it would be Bobby doing the exploiting in that situation. Yeah. Right. I don't necessarily think it'd be exploitative. I just wonder if they get through half a date with that evident age difference. Well, maybe Bobby would try growing a beard or something. I don't know. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, I love this prediction and I can't wait for it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Well, on that exciting prediction, I think we've wrapped up. I think we have wrapped up. Um, haven't had any fan mail in a little while, and we're a bit lonely. So if anyone wants to give us a shout, it's uh, getoutonmypod at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at getoutonmypod. Do it, do it, do it. We got, some, we got a lovely message from a, a new fan who is very keen to make sure that we continued the the podcast when i was like uh guys we're not we're not recording this week let me try and pull it up but um yeah keep sending your your messages all this encouragement to know that people are listening i think is quite exciting um alex skidmore who has been really nice about us and uh i think at one point even said we should be the official eastenders podcast wow wow yeah, yeah we should be i agree thank you thank you very much alex skidmore and Thank you for your support. We appreciate it. We do. We do. Keep listening and tune in next week. Yes. See you next week. Bye. Bye.